You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. I'm Teresa McKee, your host for A Mindful Moment. Thank you for joining me today as we explore ways to increase our mindfulness in our day-to-day experiences. Let's start with the breath. The breath is our most powerful tool for getting centered, grounded, and calm. If you're able to, breathe in through your nose for a count of one, two, three, four. Now slowly release the breath through the mouth for a count of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One more time. In, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Repeat this breath work anytime during the day when you feel stress rising or when you notice you've lost your focus. If you'd like to follow a guided meditation, please visit our YouTube channel at Work to Live. On a podcast about mindfulness, we obviously focus a lot on the mind. But what is the mind? Generally, it is regarded as synonymous with our memories, feelings, thoughts, beliefs, perspectives, and is the producer of our behaviors. We can't see our minds, so like our discussion last week where we touched on spirit and soul, minds are yet another invisible energy source that isn't easy to describe but we know it exists. The brain, on the other hand, is a three-pound lump of tissue inside our skull, and according to scientists, is the physical source of what we call mind. From a scientific perspective, if we are experiencing an emotion or thought, it's because the neurons in the brain send electrical signals that release neurochemicals or hormones into the system, resulting in that thought or emotion. If that is the case, it seems to me we could better understand our minds if we better understood the brain and how it works. I recently had the sincere pleasure of speaking with renowned neuroanatomist Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor to discuss her new book, Whole Brain Living, which explains not only how the brain works, but how we can use this information to achieve more well-being and to gain power over our thoughts, feelings, relationships, and lives. 
Dr. Taylor is a New York Times bestselling author, stroke survivor, and one of Time Magazine's most influential people. Dr. Jill gave the first TED Talk that ever went viral on the Internet and was the premier guest on Oprah Winfrey's Soul Series. Welcome, Dr. Jill. Thank you so much for joining us today to talk about your new book. Thank you, Teresa. I'm so excited to be here and to talk about mindfulness with you. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for this discussion. Um, I do. And I know you mentioned mindfulness in the book, but I have so many questions about the book itself. It was fascinating. I think I want to start with maybe the basics, which is for a long time, I've accepted the idea that we have two hemispheres in the brain and the left brain, you know, is the rational, logical thinking brain and the right brain is the big picture creative brain. And your book really did fascinate me because it broke it down really into four parts. And so I guess the first thing I want to ask is, is my understanding incorrect now? Well, I, I think that we're just going to help increase the differentiation of what's going on inside of our head. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like the better we understand our machine, the better we know how to get it to do what we want it to do. So it is true that our left thinking tissue is our rational mind that thinks uh, rationally, it organizes, it's structured, it likes to control the external world. That is true. However, the biggest uh, myth that, that happens in that thinking of the right is emotional and the left is thinking is that the right and left both share equally a emotional system which means we have left, think left thinking tissue, left emotional tissue, right emotional tissue, and right thinking tissue. And so instead of just thinking the left is off doing the thinking and doesn't have emotion, that's where the miss has been in our thinking as a society. And once we really realize that we have two very separate emotional modules of cells in our brain, one in the left, in, in the left hemisphere and one in the right hemisphere, then all of a sudden emotional conflict begins to make sense because it's actually different parts of ourselves having different emotions, different uh, values, different experiences, different everything, including conflict. So interesting. I have one other question regarding sort of how the brain works in general, which is, and I'm guessing again, this is a misconception that we only use 10% of our brains. Yes. Um, you know, that was, uh, that was a part of a paper written by the father of psychology back in like 1907. So we didn't really know a lot about the brain, but his comment was that we are not fulfilling our potential. And then somebody took off of that, okay, we're only using 10% of our brain. And then that stuck because isn't that a catchy idea? And then it leaves, oh, we're only using 10% of it. I wonder what the rest is doing, but I'm not going to really go and look and figure it out and use it. The fact of the matter is neurons, the primary cell of the nervous system, they are little living creatures that are connected in networks. And they are there to be stimulated by the network and to contribute their genius into the network. So we are machines at a cellular level to stimulate and be stimulated by. So what that means is if there's a brain cell and it's in your head and it is alive, you are using it. We just may not have any idea about what exactly it's doing, but we do have a pretty good sense about a lot of what's going on up there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's been a lot of advances in the last 10 to 20 years in neuroscience. Oh, neuroscience has just gone leaps and bounds in the last really 20 to 30 years. I think that's great. I think the more we understand, then maybe the more we can 
use our brains more effectively. Um, and that, of course, leads to the topic of your book, which is whole brain living. So what is that? So whole brain living is, is exactly what we've really just said. It's recognizing that all of these brain cells inside of our head are amazing little things that we can have a relationship with. They work together in four different major uh, modules, two emotional modules of cells, two thinking modules of cells, one in each hemisphere. And as soon as we understand that, then, you know, when it comes to our choices and people say, you know, well, couldn't you have made a better choice? Has anybody ever said that to you, Teresa? (laughs) It's like, Yeah, I know. And it's like, well, don't you think if I'd had a better choice, I would have made the better choice. And it's like, so we don't know what our choices are. But by recognizing these four different modules of cells, which result in four different predictable skill sets, resulting in four different predictable characters, then we know what our choices are. And we can actually start making sense out of the conversations that are going on in our brain moment by moment by moment. So one of the things that I, yesterday I could not stop thinking about this, which is really the connection between mindfulness and meditation and now this new information to me, which is these four characters. So I think I have always thought that when I am meditating, I'm tapping into what you refer to as character four, which we'll get into this in just a moment so people know what we're talking about. But in general, and I realize I have a very limited understanding because I just read the book and I really need to do a lot of processing about this. But I'm wondering what your take is on how mindfulness and or meditation tie into either how we work with these characters or if it's only affecting certain parts of of the brain, you know, some of the characters or just in general, kind of, you can help me get started with processing this as to how I blend these two together. Absolutely. So mindfulness is actually being mindful of becoming aware of what are what's going on inside of our own head, you know, just stopping and pausing and listening to what am I what am I feeling in my body? What is what are the little voices saying to me? What's the driving force? What's going on in there? And just that willingness to pause And bring your mind to the present moment and consider with an awareness what's actually already going on inside of the brain is step number one. First, I have to be willing. Second, I have to do it. (laughs) Third, I have to stick to it. And in the stick to itness, once I become really familiar with what we call then the four characters that we'll, we'll talk about, then we get to know which character is saying which piece of the conversation. And by understanding what that part of our brain actually values, it makes sense to us that that character would have that to say and have that value structure of action. Another part of our brain has a completely different value structure. And so it's going to have a different opinion and a different part of the conversation. So mindfulness really is bringing the awareness into the present moment and being willing then to listen to what's going on, but beyond listen, to then direct, what do I want to be going on inside of my brain? And that has been, I think, the hard part for our society is, well, what does it mean to silent my left brain? It's just this voice that never shuts up. And then I have this other voice and it's not very happy and it never shuts up. And then they start arguing with one another and then I just don't feel happy. And then, and how do I even begin to do that? Well, the problem's been, we don't know where we're going. Okay, so then we say, well, we're gonna meditate, we're going to be mindful and we're going to go into a silent mind. And people are going, 
that just doesn't work for me. I have no idea even where, because I got to know where I'm going. And so by knowing the four characters inside of our brain, knowing which part of ourself we're trying to tap into, all of a sudden makes it so much easier because now we know what road we're going to try to take. What's, where's where's the, the ultimate goal? Yeah, I have to tell you, I, I did identify with each of the four types you describe in the book. Um, I got a little concerned uh, with character one when you described the closet, because that sounds very familiar. <laughs> Your closet is really organized. It is. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no. But then I read the rest. I'm like, okay, I've got some balance here. But yeah, the number one is definitely a strong character. So since we're talking about the characters, yeah. first of all, you know, could you explain what the characters are and how you arrived at this perspective of how the brain works? I came to this in an awareness of, you know, I'm a brain anatomist, so I study cells and which cells are communicating with which cells, with which chemicals, and what quantities of those. So I think neuroanatomically. So I was talking to an audience, and I said, you know, it's so delightful to be talking about the brain in this day and age, because people know brain language. They love hearing about the brain, and it wasn't this way 30 years ago, I guarantee you. And I said, you know, it's lovely, because people understand language like the amygdala, and the hippocampus, and the anterior cingulate gyrus, and it's just also exciting. But the fact of the matter is that we have two amygdala. And just in saying that, there was this audible gasp from the audience of, really? I have two of them? And I realized in that instant that people think that we have a emotional system. And if we only have a emotional system, then nothing makes sense in the way that we're processing information. So I realized that really working from the anatomy and helping people realize what do the different parts of the brain do, then that helps us understand better these, these characters inside of ourselves. So character one is going to be that left thinking tissue. And that's the rational brain. And that likes to, to, it likes order. It likes to control people, places, and things. It's got a schedule. It knows how to get you there punctually on time. It's disciplined, it's, uh, it's critically analyzing, it determines what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad, it has that moral code. And we all know this part of ourselves, don't we? This is our, our A-type personality that, that is effective in helping us create a life of order in the external world. So that's our left thinking tissue. Deep to that is our left emotional tissue. And so we have these two emotional groups of tissue, one in the left and one in the, one in the right, and we share the emotional tissue with other mammals. So this is our fight or flight automatic knee-jerk reactivity. The difference, one of the primary differences between the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere is that the right hemisphere is in the present moment. It's right here, right now. It's experiential in the present. It doesn't have a past. And it doesn't have a future. So it doesn't have any of the worry or any of the current concerns or, or really any of the deep attachments, emotional attachments to the external world. So the right hemisphere, it's right here, right now. The left hemisphere has a past, a present, and a future. So all of our emotions in that little character too, that tissue was willing to take information from the present moment and process it, step out of the consciousness of the present moment to compare the present moment to potential threat from our past. 
So this tissue automatic jumps out of the present moment consciousness in order to save us. This is the alarm, alarm, alert, alert. So I see a creature swimming behind me and it's like, this tissue is gonna say, oh my God, that's a snake, snakes are dangerous. I need to push away from the snake and stay, say no. So our pain from the past is going to be in that character too. So this part can either direct our pain blatantly by blaming others, being mean to others, by erupting and pushing away and saying, I want less of that, no, no, no. Or I can direct that pain on myself and say, I'm not worthy because I have stepped out of that magnificent consciousness of the present moment. And as a tiny little individual self with an ego, separate from the whole, separate from our higher being, then we feel isolated and small and constricted. So the little character too is going to have all of those emotions from the past. So I'm guessing you also know that part of yourself. Definitely. <laughs> I do have to say, and I don't know if this is true for everyone, of course, but I, that part of my brain, because that was the part, I didn't know it was the character too, but I, that, that was where right. I started with really working, doing my inner work, because that was where the problems were coming from. So it's been fairly tame until the pandemic. And all of a sudden it has revisited me in a powerful way over the past year. And exactly. I, I think it's, I don't know, pertinent to think in terms of even if we think we have it well balanced or we think we really understand our characters, that certain situations may really trigger, trigger us or, you know, make it flare up to the point that you think, oh, my gosh, have I forgotten everything I've learned? Because that's part of what I went through this last year. Like, what is wrong with me? Well, and you have been joined by millions upon millions upon millions of people during this pandemic, because all of a sudden now there is a real threat outside of us and we can't even see it. So we don't even know what to look for. We don't know how to protect ourselves or the ones we love. I mean, there really has become a real danger. And, and as soon as that circuitry, so both of those emotional systems, little character two in the left brain, little character three in the right brain, which we'll get to in a second, each of those never mature. They are our emotional systems, our emotional reactivity designed to save our life. So like millions of others, you're in good company. We have all been struggling with this little character too. And the thing about little character too is that this part of ourself comes out generally pretty forceful and pretty like mean or aggressive or towards self or towards others. And this is our fear. And fear has been very real because to that little character too, because it was willing to step out of the consciousness of the present moment and become an individual and a little ego self, all of a sudden it has things to lose. It has life to lose. And it functions in this megaphone of fear. And that megaphone of fear can either come out at like racism, it can come out like bigotry, it can come out like xenophobia, it can come out like rage, and it's designed to push away that which is not familiar. So, you know, this pandemic really took us all on the roller coaster ride of our little character twos. And at the same time, it is the willingness of that character choose pain to feel our pain. And most of us are very uncomfortable feeling our own pain. And our pain is actually a message. And the message is, yes, immediately protect myself. But once I, my right, hem, my left hemisphere character one can come back online and say, you know, 
Uh, we're using gloves, we're using wipes, we're using masks, we're doing everything that we can, we're wiping everything down, we're avoiding people, uh, we're doing what we can do to help ourselves. Then character one is saying we're taking care of it, we're trying to fix the problem. Little character two, you can calm down. But that's the emotional reactivity of that little character two, and it is designed to save our lives. So we really owe it a sense of gratitude for its pain. But recognize that when we have a thought that stimulates an emotional circuit, and then that emotional circuit stimulates a chemical that will then dump through and run through the blood and run out of the blood, takes less than 90 seconds. So our pain, if we watch it, if we become mindful and we feel the trigger and we listen to our thoughts and we're watching our emotional system, our circuitry trigger, and then we feel this run right through of us and we have this whole physiological response. But if we look at our watches, we can see that takes less than 90 seconds for that to run. And that is true personal freedom because then I am watching the pain. I am not just being the pain. And the thing about being pain is we feel like we're gonna be in that pain forever and it's never ending. And that's simply not true. Our pain is a physiological response inside of our brain. It is our thought circuitry made up of cells, our emotional circuitry made up of cells. Our physiological response is the byproduct of those cells in the thinking and the feeling. So just in recognizing that we are a biological creature made up of these billions of beautiful neurons and we can observe them in, instead of just engaging in them gives us a certain level of detachment and knowing that I have these other characters inside of my brain that once that 90 seconds comes and goes, I can pull that energy out of just that little character too. And I can bring my mind back to the present moment, which is really where my power is. Wow. So now character three is also emotional. Little character three is the emotion of our right hemisphere. And our right hemisphere is right here, right now. And right here, right now, Teresa, I got to tell you, right here, right now is pretty much perfect moment. Wouldn't you agree? If we don't have a past, then we don't have to worry about the past. And if we don't have any, any future, we don't have to have fear about what's happening or about the great unknown, because all we know is right here, right now, and right here, right now, oh my gosh, we're alive. And, uh, uh, you know, we got eyes that see, and we got ears that hear, and we've got, we've got bodies that move, we've got hands and digits that manipulate the external space. So now the present moment is really this, this really exciting spot to be. And the emotion of the present moment is more experiential. What does it feel like to be inside of my body? This is one of the reasons why for mindfulness and meditation, what do we do? We focus on our breath. We bring our mind into our, what does it feel like to be inside of our body? We think about different parts of a body because it brings the mind to the present moment so that we're actually shifting into that right hemisphere, character three or character four. So right here, right now, the emotion is experiential. What are we gonna do? What do you wanna be? We wanna be creative. We don't have the left brain judgment of right, wrong, good, bad. We don't have to fit inside of that. Uh, we get to be creative and we get to make a mess and, and chaos is the first step in the creative process. Yeah, I like chaos, you like chaos? I don't know, I've seen your closets. 
but at least I've heard about them, put it that way. Mine are very organized too, but that's the ultimate goal is to be balanced between all of these characters. And at will, there are times when it's totally appropriate for little character three to come on and let's go play. Let's go have an adrenaline rush. Let's go, let's go. Teresa, come on, let's go. It's a gorgeous day, let's go. Or it's raining, let's go play in the rain. It doesn't matter what it is. It's not making a critical judgment against it. It's inviting it in with curiosity and it's playful it likes to be with others excellent and then of course character four and then character four is the portion of our brain in the present moment that is thinking tissue when you consider you know when we come from the womb we become that little first cell the zygote cell the dna from mom joins with the dna from dad and we become a single cell the zygote cell and that zygote cell is inside of our mother's womb and we are in symbiosis with the flow of our mother's energy and of our mother's blood. And we are just in relationship with that. That little zygote cell then multiplies its DNA, repackages it, multiplies the DNA, repackages it at a rate of up to 250,000 times per second. Per second, not per minute, per second. So we are, there is a consciousness around those cells that are guiding all of that genetic material in the multiplication and the differentiation of those cells to manifest as this magnificent little fetal body inside of the womb. The consciousness that exists in every cell in our body is the same consciousness that exists in the universe when we don't have our past and our future distraction and we are existing in the present moment experience. So the consciousness of the universe, if you will, the consciousness of our highest being, consciousness of nature, the consciousness of God, the consciousness of Allah, whatever your religious belief system likes to call that level of consciousness, that cosmic consciousness exists and it is alive and well in the thinking tissue of our right hemisphere. Or every ability we have is because we have brain cells that perform that function. So our ability to experience through meditation, peace and euphoria is because we have cells that also perform that function. And that is that character four. So just knowing now that we have these four characters at a neuroanatomical level, when I go to make a choice moment by moment by moment, I can at any point do what I call a brain huddle. And a brain huddle is when each of my four characters, which essentially make up my team, these are the characters of my brain team, they all come to the present moment and we have this analysis of what are we doing and what do we want? And when we do that at a level of consciousness with all four characters on board, then I am picking and choosing who and how I want to be in the next moment. And wow, what a way to live your life. It's very powerful. So how do we have that huddle? You know what I mean? What are the steps or how do we sort of, without sounding like we have four personalities, well, I guess it is kind of four. Well, we do have four personalities <laughs> and we know, and most of us know each of these four personalities. So so consider the fact that we have four very distinctive personalities. You know, um, this is the first psychological paradigm, not to say we have multiple different characters inside of our head, but this is the first paradigm to say, based on the structure of the anatomy of the brain 
and what that those cells are known to do, these are the character profiles that come from that brain anatomy. So, um, so it, it's it's just based on on what's going on at the level of the brain. So, a brain huddle. If I'm going to do a brain huddle, and I do a brain huddle probably twenty or thirty times a day, just to keep it going very well, because when that little character two starts acting up, if I start feeling triggered, I need to put, do a brain huddle in that moment so that my other characters can come back online and help me out with what's going on in my little character two. And, um, but, and, and so I just want it to become as automated as my other behaviors. So for the brain huddle, I call it B-R-A-I-N as the acronym. Of course I do brain huddle. So B stands for breath because breath, as I just mentioned, of course, for you meditation, it brings your mind into the present moment. I am breathing in the present moment. I'm not breathing in the past. I'm not breathing in the future. I am in this moment, inhaling and exhaling. And I usually take my left hand because it's connected to my right brain. And I just touch my forehead and I just go straight down my face and I'm thinking about it and I'm feeling it. And I'm thinking about those natural bumps that I have for lips and a chin and down my throat. And, and I'm just bringing my mind into that present moment. And I land on my chest and yes, I feel my muscles, my diaphragmatic muscle contracts, it sucks energy and air into my lung system. And I exhale that as I relax it and I just bring my mind into the present moment. So B stands for breath. R, recognize as I'm in my present moment, recognize, okay, who called the brain huddle? <laughs> Which one was I in? R is recognize which of the characters am I in as dominant? A, B-R-A, A is appreciate the fact that I have all four of these. So if I am in my little character too, and she's feeling hostile or constricted, or what does it feel like inside of my body when I'm being that? Or what does it feel like to be in my character one when, when I'm busy, I'm at work, I'm being disciplined, the phone rings. Hello, what can I do for you? It's not my warmest, friendliest part. That's not a bad thing. It's just honoring each of their existences, getting to know them inside of yourself, getting to know them in those around you. So A, appreciate that I have all four so that if right now, if I want to pick a different one, then I could do that. And that's the I. Inquire. In this moment, do I want to pick being a different one? So right now I could, uh, I could all of a sudden become my character three and become goofy and be playful. Well, no, that's not appropriate because I'm, I'm talking to you. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to stay in my one. So inquire, which one do I want to advance with in this moment, in the next moment? And then N stands for navigate. Navigate moment by moment by moment. Okay, well, I'll try being a character one. And then maybe you'll see a little snake back there and you'll start like freaking out. And so if you're like little character twos now going, oh my God, oh my God, there's a snake back there, Jill. And then I could come in with my character four and say, Teresa, look at how beautiful it is. Wow, I get to live where the snakes live. How totally cool is that? And that would automatically calm and soothe your little character too. And then your little character one would come back online and then we would continue our conversation. So the brain huddle is bringing all these voices together. B, breath, pay attention to the breath, bring your mind to the present moment. R, recognize which of the four characters is being dominant and how often is it being dominant? And is that what I want? 
A, appreciate the fact that I have all four to pick from. This is my buffet of choices. I, inquire, which one do I want to be next? And N, navigate. So the beauty is recognizing these different characters inside of our anatomy of our brain so that we do have the power to pick and choose who and how we want to be in any moment. I really like that. And it's funny that you said, or you mentioned something about instead of them arguing with each other, because that is what I feel like happened to me, at least for several months last year, which is, and again, I didn't know these characters then, but, you know, as I mentioned, my, my character too definitely flared up and it was in the form of judging, you know, I was judging, I don't know, humanity at some point, you know, exactly. it was just uncomfortable for me. Um, but another one was at some point, and I don't, I don't know how far along it was because California was shut down for a very long time, but it was all of a sudden I realized I'm not having any fun. So my character three had just checked out, <laughs> which is, I really recognized as I, as I was reading about each of these characters, like, oh, this is a great framework now for me to better, I may have yeah. recognized the feelings or the thoughts or the, you know, the emotions, but right. I didn't have a framework. And so I just right. kept arguing, like my four would argue with my two about stop judging people. And it was just this constant yeah. symphony going on up there. So exactly. I, <laughs> That's exactly right. So all this material will do for you now is say, okay, I have more choices. And who's dominating? Who's stealing the microphone? It's usually that character one who needs to be right. You know, it's all about I'm the boss. Or it's character two that is all about I'm not happy and I'm going to push you away and I'm going to push me away. I'm pushing kindness away. And then little character three's going, well, you know, um, there are things I like to do. And character one's going, you're a waste of time and you make messes. And if you make another mess and I've just got to clean it up and right now my closets are clean. So no, you can't touch anything. And little pig pen, that's what I call my little character three. It's going, well, I've been any fun anymore. So I'm not going to be very happy. And if I'm not very happy and, and then my character four is going, well, it's okay, little character three, you know, little character two is having a problem. You know, there's pandemic out there and it's like, oh my gosh, I can be compassionate and loving and open with myself. And and I can allow all of me to thrive during this time because I'm not going to find any peace in my character one. She might fix the problems and keep me safe and make sure I've got plenty of, of hand wash and, and all that. And little character two needs that because otherwise character two won't feel safe at all in the world. And then little character two is going to be judging all those other people. You know, well, they can't even wear a mask and keep me safe. And, da, 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 da. and so I'm going to push away from that. And, and you know, little character three is going, you know, we could have gone to the park for half an hour. That would have been really nice. And character four is going, mm, you know, Kesara Sara, we're in a pandemic. We've never been in one before. We're watching ourselves. We're watching each other. We're watching humanity. We don't know how it's all going to end up, but you know, what is, is, and aren't we lucky we have the life that we have for the amount of time that we have it. Absolutely. And I will say I was grateful for the mindfulness training because that probably helped me keep my sanity, but it they was still... your sanity, Teresa. <laughs> it was your sanity. It didn't help you keep it. It was. That's true. And you went and hooked into it. Yeah. To remember I had sanity. Yes. That's exactly right. All I can say is I highly recommend getting the book, The Whole Brain Living, to start mapping out how you can better understand your four characters and how you can use them to really yeah. live a, a more meaningful life even because you've got more control and you have more choice and you can make better decisions. And, and it is, it's, you know, when we're willing to, to take the pause and look at what's going on inside of our own head and know that we have more power over what's going on there than we've ever been trained 
to me, that's a big exhale, a big breath of possibility. So thank you. And uh, I appreciate your audience because your audience is one that is interested in mindfulness. I just loved the book and I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Teresa. I really appreciate it. I'm sure like you, I've always known I had a little voice in my head, but now I understand there are actually four, which leads to quite the conversation going on upstairs. I've been playing around with my four characters for the past couple of weeks, and I have to say, I now feel like I'm supervising the characters instead of them sort of driving the show. The four characters, left brain thinking, left brain emotional, right brain emotional, and right brain thinking, each have an appropriate place and time to dominate, but frequently interfere at times that don't best serve me, so it has been really helpful to be mindful in noticing which one is doing what. Dr. Jill recommends that you name your four characters, which I did, and it does strengthen the framework and make it easier to have that internal chat, i.e. brain huddle, by picturing them by their names. I have admired Dr. Jill since discovering her through her first book, My Stroke of Insight, and am very grateful that she took the time to join us today to talk about her new book, Whole Brain Living. You can view the full interview on our YouTube channel. Remember to be mindful of the timeline of an emotion that Dr. Jill shared. When we become triggered with anger, fear, or anxiety, it takes less than 90 seconds for that emotion to flood through us and flush out of our body. So the next time you feel triggered, try breathing through it for 90 seconds and enjoy feeling empowered instead of panicked. Until next time, stay well, be kind to yourself and others, and remember to be mindful. Have a wonderful week. Mindfulness increases our emotional, physical, and mental well-being. It can also enhance our focus and productivity. Perhaps most importantly, mindfulness strengthens our empathy and compassion for others, which I believe we need more of in our world today. So practice mindfulness in everything you do. Spend at least a little time meditating every day. And remember to be kind to yourself and others. We're here to do more than just survive. We can thrive. All it takes to start is a mindful moment. Please subscribe to A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee wherever you get your favorite podcasts and rate this podcast so that others can find us. Follow us on social media at work to live A Mindful Moment is written by Teresa McKee. The English version is hosted by Teresa McKee and the Spanish version is translated and hosted by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll by Josh Kirsch, Media Right Productions. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions, 